And just like that, we back at it. Yes, we are. Welcome to another episode of Live and Die Revive with your host, Jammy. And you, you already know. <laughs> Jammy or Lola? Get the, get your mo- split personalities together, shawty. Nah, I got too many. <laughs> you already know what's good. Jose Garcia Promotions in the building. And today we got Redding's own GMS. Yes, we do. Introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? It's GMS. That's God, Mind, and Soul. Here representing the Friends Collective and the Red Dot. You already know. We love it. Speaking of the friends, y'all just dropped the EP like uh, Saturday, was it? Was it yeah. on Friday? Saturday? Yeah, Friday. That's right. The a few same. days ago, dude. It was like six tracks, I think. Seven tracks. And I played it on my way to Washington, D.C. because we were on our way to record a music video for Alan and, Alan and Kevin's new song. It's fire. And you really... The friends really took a step forward in uh, their creative direction and show the, the, how much of a unique sound that, that they actually can, can curate when they come together. And I was mm-hmm. impressed actually with the sound quality. Not that I expected it to be nothing better than great, but really like the way that you guys produced it, put it together, the way it, it, everything came together. I mean, I just want to say hats off to you guys and feel me like <laughs> applaud that. <laughs> Thank you, yo, for real. Thank you. And I'm going to be honest, that's uh, like I never worked, I never spent more time with an album than we did with that one. Like in the past, when I make music, it's very much stream of conscious. It's very much just, I pretty much cook up a batch of tracks. And then once I start seeing the, the commonalities, then I put them together. Then I curate the album. But for this one, I mean, we were sitting on these songs since like November. Word. And we was just really taking our time with it, thinking about the rollout, thinking about how we wanted to essentially establish our identity. Um, so it was really, you know, a moment of growth for me as an artist personally, just being a part of that process. And I'm really proud of how it came out. That's Aww. what's up, bro. So with so many people in the friends, with, with building a project like this, uh, did you guys, did you find you guys having like, you know, bumping heads at all or had to work through some things? Like talk a little bit about the experience actually creating the project with your crew. So I would say one of the biggest issues that we did have was just schedules aligning. Mm. You know, when you have five artists, more than really, we say we have five artists because we have five artists who perform at the shows normally. Mm -hmm. We have Solace, we have Voda, Vic, myself, and um, Jacob, right? But we also have other artists, you know, Jerry, who's our videographer mainly. He also plays guitar and piano and he sings. In fact, the first official friend single on all platforms was was from him. His name's Red Red Sea, and, and it's called Memory Dell. And um, that one is very much like an acoustic vocal experience. Like it's way different from the EP. So when you and, and Angela, you know, our manager slash engineer, he's also a dope rapper, a dope singer. So I say we have five artists, but really everyone in the collective is an artist in their own right. So you have ten people. How do you get them to come together at the same time every week? You know, it could be it could be really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the biggest issues we had. Now, creatively, we definitely spar. We're all strong-willed young men who have our own opinions. <laughs> but ultimately, I think our aesthetic senses align enough that we really didn't have any major conflicts or anything about it. It was just every now and then it'd be like, nah, you got to come harder than that. Or you're going you gonna to have that bar, deliver that a little better. And not all of us are used to getting that kind of feedback in real time. But that's so, great. That helps you develop yourself as an artist and you should you know a lot of people don't have people there that will give them that criticism that they can actually sponge in you know take in and actually apply it no that's for real and i'm a, I'm a producer as well as a rapper or mc i would say um so 
they called me out too because I'll chop the samples up, but my beats, the drums were like the same drums on most every beat. And they was like, yo, when are you going to switch up your drums, Mike? I'm like, at first I'm like, yo, like I'm the producer. Like, don't <laughs> yeah, tell me how to drums do is hot, yeah. nigga. Don't tell me how to do my drums. But then I sat with it. I'm like, no, you're definitely right. So now when I'm making beats, I'm like consciously trying to do something different with the drums every time and finding new pockets to inhabit with that. So I'm very grateful for that constructive feedback in the past before I linked with friends. I might've had a few people in my corner that were more so yes, men. Yeah, that's Just, hot, bro. That shit came together fire, bro. That's the one right there, my boy. Nah. But it, it might not. It could have some improvements. Right. So it's important to have those people around you. I'm glad yeah, you found that really group, is. bro. That's cool. I want to have somebody to tell you, like, no, this could be better. You could be better. You're not living up to your full potential the way that I see you can. Those are the people that really care for you. Period. And a I- yes man wants a wants a... A slice of your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Boom. And I'll tell you what, we're not really getting big paychecks yet. So thankfully, the sharks aren't, aren't circling the water too much yet. I think maybe in the next year, we might be dealing with a maybe a bit more of that. But for right now, where we're at, everybody is rooted in love for the community and love for the craft. So we're just going to keep taking that forward. A That's fucking awesome. man, brother. Yes. I love that. That's amazing. Watch out for the sharks in, in, in disguise. What are they called? A wolf in sheep's clothing? Yep. You know they there. Oh, yeah. nah. <laughs> they there, man. They there. Yeah, you. So gonna, tell us. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, as you guys grow as a as an artist collective, uh, the business world is cutthroat. I'm sure you you guys. Know oh yeah. That. Oh yeah. But as long as you stay true to yourself, your vision, y'all stay true to each other, creating and working towards that the higher power of love and positivity and community, bro. It's it's all gonna be returned tenfold. Mm. So you keep that mm-hmm. You keep moving forward With those genuine intentions And The universe will have no choice But to reciprocate that energy mm. you know So I mean? true I believe that 100% So true mm. So tell us a little bit About your music journey Okay Where you started Versus where you are Shit You know I just realized this The other day Like I just put the pieces together On where it started Cause oh, normally When I tell my story It's like okay I started writing at 13 um, Started recording songs At 16 Started making beats around 2017, 2018, when I was 17 and 18. And, um, you know, every step of the way, just improving and learning to navigate, like, what I should say expectations, especially when it's from your close peer group, whether that's family or close friends. Like, you can't always expect them to be your biggest supporters. And as much as we would love them to be, like, they're not always going to be able to do that. And maybe it's because they see you in a different light. Maybe it's because they just don't have the time and energy to do that. Maybe they don't identify with the music that you make in the way that somebody who would be sharing it and showing that support would. There's so many reasons. So when I was younger, you know, I I dealt with a lot of that. Like, where's the support at? Where's the community at? But clearly, I found that now. And it's like a a lot of the stress of it, a lot of the long nights, a lot of the wondering, like, is this shit even good? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's mm-hmm. all gone now. You know what I'm saying? Because I linked up with a community that recognized my realness and and I recognize their realness because I don't want to be a part of a community that I can't stand behind. But the Redding community, especially the music scene that we got going in the Friends Collective, that's something I can stand behind. So I'm very I'm very glad to be here. But the, the thing that I realized, though, is even back in the day, do y'all remember a Zoom? Did y'all ever have a Zoom back I in the day? I did. So you know what yes. I'm talking about. It's yes. like an iPod Touch that was made by Microsoft, I believe. Yeah. Well, not an iPod Touch. Before the iPod Touch, just a regular like MP3 player. Yeah, it was like an okay. MP3 player with the touch screen. It almost looked like a phone. Okay. 
So so I, w- I remember back in the day, this would have been like 07, 08, right? Mm-hmm. When I was seven, eight years old. I was born two days before the new millennium. So my my age is the same as the year. Um, so back in 07, 08, I was under the, I remember I'd be under the blanket rapping to like the Eminem and Lil Wayne songs. <laughs> and it was my sister's, my sister's MP3 player. So she would come out and like clown me. She'd be like, what you doing? And like, I'm just like, bro, I don't even know. Like this just feels natural. You know what I'm saying? Like I was so embarrassed back then at that. But I, I just realized that the other day, I'm like, damn, I really been about this rapping shit since I was like very young. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I remember when I was about 10 years old, me and my boy Isaac, because his dad was a DJ and big into hip hop. So me and him wrote a song together and, and we were like recorded it on this, this shitty little set of, mind you, this 2010. <laughs> so it's like not the technology today, the band lab and the USB, this and that, like it, it wasn't there at that point. And even if it was, we weren't aware of it. Right. So, you know, it was really just doing it for the love of the craft. And that's, you know, when I really started writing verses seriously, it was the same way. It was for the love of the craft. And it really wasn't until much later down the line where I started to think of like, okay, how are we going to do this as a business? Because for a while, it kind of really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, nah, that's, that's not what I stand on. But now I've realized there's a way to do the business in a, in a way that aligns with your values. Yeah, you're not going to go ahead mm-hmm. and sell out for me. Period. And I thought at that time in my naivete, I thought, oh, to do business means to be a sellout. But that's not the case at all. And even the rappers that I grew up listening to, like Common and Most Def, Talib Kweli, Nas, KRS-One, you know, the greats, at the end of the day, they all sold their records too. And I would have never heard their music if they wasn't selling their records. Mm -hmm. Even if they're deemed as underground artists, they were still in the commercial space. So I think once I realized that, I'm like, okay, clearly the realest artists that I look up to, if they doing it too, then maybe it isn't so bad. Yeah, the blueprint's there, bro. You feel me? Period. So, so yeah, I mean, like, my journey as an artist, bro, like, it's really just been me engaging with the craft that I love, the shit that saved my life, man. Because, you know, I don't know how deep we want to go into it, but, you know, around that time, around when I was, like, 11, 12, that's, you know, that's when the man I knew as my pops kind of skipped out. And I, I also tore my ACL and meniscus. I was playing football at that point um, and getting, you know, we was in the junior high and I, I tore that. And mind you, my whole life goals was like, I'm going to go to college on a football scholarship. Mm. I'm going to do this and that. So, you know, my pot skipped and I couldn't play ball no more. Life sucked. What? Damn. I was 13. You know, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do, man? Like the things that I looked for in life, um, where were they at? So I picked up two things at that time. I picked up rap and I picked up smoking weed. <laughs> yeah, at 13? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think- mean, after a tear like that. It's understandable. For real. And and I think maybe one of those habits was more positive than the other. <laughs> but shit, I ain't got nothing, nothing against weed, bro. I still smoke that shit today. And I, I fuck with it too, but at 13 is a young age to start, but hey. Hell yeah. My frontal lobe is probably all <laughs> fucked up. Nah, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that shit literally saved my life because I didn't have no other voice. You know, I didn't have no other outlet. And there was times I really did struggle with shit like anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. to a heavy degree. And even when I was around, you know, 16, 17, getting like suicidal thoughts and shit like that. But I always had an outlet when those feelings inside you get too much to bear and they just bouncing around. It's like if I could start writing, then by the time that verse is done, I feel a relief million times lighter for real. That's awesome, bro. I feel like we heard that a lot in the grand opening of the Vault Studio that a lot of artists say that music is their therapy. Period. 
Yeah, it's amazing that you have the ability to fuel your creative creative journey with you know the trauma that you've experienced. Uh, mm. It could, you could bottle it up, or you, it could fuel you in a negative manner, and all those other intrusive thoughts could get ahead of you, and then shit, who knows what what will be happening? But the fact that you can actually utilize that and channel it and channel it in the mm. in a healthy way is mm-hmm. is great and. It speaks through your music truly, mm. and, I, and I hope people that listen to your music can can find that ability within themselves to to turn and do that same thing that mm. you found yourself to do. Bro, that would be the greatest fulfillment of this aspiration because I can make myself a million dollars and be happy. Of course, I would be ecstatic, mm-hmm. but if I could know that I gave people the blueprint or the tutorial on how to do this shit, and eventually down the road them doing that made that much of a positive impact in their life as it, as it has made in mine, that's, that's my number one goal with everything I do as an artist. Love it. Yes. Yes, empower the youth. Yeah, yeah. Empower <laughs> the youth. Right now, you and the friends are being that group, that inspiration for the younger generation that you didn't have. Mm. The people that you were looking for when you were like, hey, is this even worth it? Right. Now you get to be that person for other people. Whoo, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's real, man. Wow. Yeah, that's true. That's that's nothing but true. And, you, and you know how the modesty and humility goes. It's like we don't always want to recognize, we don't always want to come out and like believe those things at first. You mm-hmm. know, it's like no way that I'm having that impact or no way that my shit is hitting that deep. But imposter syndrome. The type shit, bro. Yeah. Type shit. Bro, you you deserve everything that you get coming to you. You feel me? Mm. Yes. yes. I, I, I myself have learned. I had struggled with the same way. People telling me, "Yo, good shit with the show. The podcast is dope. Your events are so good." I'm just. I don't even know, bro. I'm just. We just doing it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. bro. Literally. And mm. you got to learn to. You're you're doing a disservice to the people that are complimenting you and acknowledging your successes by not taking them for what they are. Real mm. shit, or just like deflecting it, like yeah. nah, it's it's not even that deep. Like, and don't are don't like, play oh, yourself. Yeah. Damn, yo, because they they want you to feel happy about yourself and feel proud. No, that's real, and that's like my philosophy too. When it comes to giving, um, you know, I think a lot of times when somebody tries to give somebody else something, you know, that other person on the receiving end is like, no, 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 no. Like I don't, no, 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 right. But it's like you're robbing that person of the ability to do a good deed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel good because I, I see what I gave you brought you joy. And that brought me joy. Exactly. And I feel like it's a very similar concept to what you just said. It's just not a physical act or item. It's just the words. It's a slippery ass slope though because you got people that'll give you something in hopes that, oh, I'm going to get something back out of this. or. Yeah. You feel Period. me? The other way of um, transactional people. Yeah, they just they they don't mean what they say to you, but they're just gassing you up so that they can feel me fit themselves in your corner, stay Type tight. Shit. So you gotta really be have a judge of character and be able to differentiate the sh- the wolves and sheep's clothing. You feel mm. me? But so Real far, close. so good though. We've been we've been all rocking pretty well in this in like the this uh like this. Well, how can I even put it? This music culture, this local scene in Reading that we yeah. got going on with the summer never dies. And What's with the air quotes? Because like I don't it's... know. When I, I don't know. Nobody <laughs> can see me air quoting. But... Like it doesn't exist. <laughs> this music culture, air quote, air quote. It's been suspiciously like su- successful. You know, everybody's been very supportive of each other. There's been like little to no hate. Yo, that's so heartbreaking that you say it's suspicious. It, it's true because a lot of people try to put themselves onto this type of scene. They try to put other people, other mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, artists, creatives alike 
onto these types of scenes. And for some reason, it either doesn't happen the right way, everything falls apart, or there's a lot of drama and just bickering and gossip. You feel me? Like type shit. And it's annoying. I mean, we've had that with the with with the water leaks at Rio Cafe. That that was that was against. <laughs> you feel me? That was something we could not help. I don't think anybody talked bad about us. You heard some bad words. No, I I hadn't heard nothing. Except <laughs> Everybody that it said was my fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I heard too. That's I crazy. heard it was my fault. That's crazy. She's a fucking witch, bro. I- <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I'm here minding my own business, setting up my table, and all of a sudden, hey, we got a problem. No, that was an act against. That was an act of, of nature, you know. Or, yes, it was. Exactly. It was the universe testing you to see if you wanted it bad enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, and we worked it out, bro. Everything worked out good. Mm-hmm. No problem there. That's the best feeling, right? Even through all of the adversities and and all the hoops and hurdles we have to overcome to make something work out, we we were able to do that. And, Thank God, you know, thankful to the team. Lewis was there, Nandi, you know. We all came together and really made made that shit happen, despite mm. everything. And same thing with what you guys are doing, you know, despite all the conflicting schedules and all of the headbutting and the self-doubts, you know, through all that, you guys were able to still come together mm. and make your mark for me in history. Shit, man. And the history aspect is really what I've been harping on. Uh, when I get a chance to talk and when I get a chance to to speak to people, it's because hip hop itself, music is time. You know what I mean? When you when you put on a song, it's three minutes, it's two minutes, it's whatever, but it's time. You know, and I know exactly what you mean. And and, and not only is it time, but it's also documenting time. Like when that music was made, you know, I'm a sampler. I I sample shit from the 60s and 70s and 80s and there's unique aesthetic components to it all. Mm -hmm. And each sample has its own history that it inhabits. And my choice to sample this particular record on this particular song can also tell a story and a message. Mm -hmm. So it's like hip hop and history and time is just all so closely related. So everything we do now, especially with all these cameras rolling and the mics recording, Everything we do is being documented for posterity. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we need to remember is that it's not just something that's going to go away. It's easy to feel that way, especially when you're an artist like me, because I'm very much like, I did that, on to the next. I did that, on to the next. But it's just remembering that every single song, every single show, every podcast episode, that's something that unless the global internet crashes, you know what I mean? This shit is going to be here forever. Yeah. And somebody in a hundred years who wants to learn about hip hop in a small city is going to come and learn about what we did. And that might give them, you know, we, we see how the world is becoming increasingly sanitized and increasingly computerized and increasingly driven by applying to certain consumerist norms. Mm-hmm. I think hip hop, the hip hop that I represent stands against that as a, as a way to defend our humanity against forces that seek to strip that from us. Um, Hell yeah. So I'm glad to be on the right side of history here. <laughs> and even if that's just through art, you know, I don't need to do some incredible, crazy thing to change the world because the world changes one mind and one heart at a time. So if my music can touch one person, then I'm doing something right and we just grow from there. It's a very, mm-hmm. It's a very common belief that one person cannot change the world. But that is so wrong because it only takes one person, one heart, one mind to touch the mind, heart of another and change them. And then that change flows through. That's right. It's like when a dam breaks, all the water comes flooding, touches everything. Mm. 
And the dam's breaking for Redding. The dam is breaking. A hundred percent. Yeah, we about to burst through the dams. Mm. Wet as fuck. Squirting <laughs> 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 everywhere. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that was terrible. This is this. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm gonna clip that sound later. It's going on Instagram. Good. Oh, terrible. So, GMS. Yeah. Tell me, what is your what is your favorite song that you have created? Which one do you think speaks who you are at your core? God damn. Who my favorite song? I'm going to be honest with you. My inner core is like a kaleidoscope. You know what I mean? That's beautiful. We love that. There's so many facets to it in different colors and angles and shapes. It's like... You can't pick? I could never pick one song that fully represents me because I have so much of a story to tell. And I'm somebody who has existed in the in-between space a lot of my life. You know, I was born here. My mom's moved us out real young when I was around six years old. Out to we, I went to Schuylkill Valley. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm out there. Mind you, we grew up in a trailer park, broke as shit. And all my classmates is rich as fuck. You go over to their mm-hmm. house, it's like, damn, y'all got y'all got a second floor? <laughs> y'all have a basement? Y'all have food in the fridge? Like, you know what I'm saying? Just even a basic shit like food that. Food in the fridge. Right. Like, crazy. and my mom never really let us go hungry, but it wasn't like we was eating like kings either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was just like being an in-between space in, in my mom's. And at that point... Like I say, the man I look to as my pops, they both worked in the city and they wasn't paying for no babysitter. So after school, they pick me up. We go in. My mom's fixing up like apartment buildings and shit. And I'm just there with her on the stoop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's some of my earliest memories. And just just this urge of like, I want to get back. I want to get back to the city. I want to get back tuned into this community and dealing with the politics and the authenticity of like, oh, you're not from here. Like, oh, and, and even in hip hop. Oh, like, this isn't yours. You're, you know, you're you're white. This is this is not yours, and I, that's something I've dealt with before. In fact, I've been turned away from a studio before, for real, due to that. Really, and, and that's not me trying to victimize myself because I understand, like I understand the intricacies, but it's just things that I've experienced where it's like, it, it's not necessarily that I was always welcome, but here now with y'all and with friends, I feel welcome. Yeah, I, f- I feel like Aww. I'm meant to be here. You know what I mean? And that's that's something that took years for that feeling to sink in. All that color shit, that race shit, whatever. That's like what superficial would be the word. Yeah. We see way beyond that. We have so much more depth to our in our ability to comprehend another person's complexity. That we, It's juvenile to look at somebody at the surface level. Like, it's Because you're a white man. Like you said, yeah. Because you're a white, we ain't going to... Like, Music is for everyone. It goes back to talking about like the segregation days. That shit just blows my mind. And the, the fact that there's still racist people exist today, it's, it's just, they have so much internal struggles that they're dealing with. So many insecurities that they're redirecting outwards. For real. And hey. And, and it's like, it's just, you know, authenticity in general is such a constant battle. It's like people saying, are you really real or not? Are you really down for the culture or not? And like how... What does that even mean? Exactly. And then another aspect of authenticity is like, okay, if my music isn't on all plats, I'm not as authentic of an artist nowadays. But that once again goes back to those consumerist norms because I'm expected to get paid less than a penny on my stream. And if I don't get on that platform, then I'm seen as less of an artist. So basically, I'm not saying we're forced because we're not forced to do anything, but we're very heavily coerced into devaluing on our art. On these mm-hmm. streaming platforms that don't really give mm-hmm. us our value back. Um, 
And I think that was a very calculated move to take money away from artists. Like back in the day, and, and I know record labels and all this nonsense, the, the artists that was selling the CDs wasn't necessarily getting what they deserved off the CDs. Mm-hmm. But you think back in the day, you come to the store, you buy a CD for $10, whatever it is, you just bought that directly from the artist. And that's an artifact that you're going to take home. You're going to play that, mm-hmm. that album on repeat. You're going to live with the music. And now it's just like, okay. Streams, it's all different. It's, it's a next song. It's a new song every day. Mm-hmm. And very few people I find actually sit with whole albums now. Mm-hmm. You know, true. the art of the album. It's is, not the same no more. The people's attention spans are down the drain thanks to things like Vine, TikTok, Reels. You name it. Oh my God, I haven't heard Vine in so long. <laughs> That's how it started though. Oh yes, my God, yes. That's one of the first things. Oh, these 15 second funny videos. Ha <laughs> ha. And now... And now on Instagram, if your reel is longer than 59 seconds, it will not pop up on the algorithm because it's not attractive for viewer consumerism. Uh-huh. Like the the attention retention is low on anything above one minute. If, you're, if you have more than 59 seconds of content that you post, you're not going to see much engagement, unfortunately. Mm, and it's like we went, you know... Out of the out of the frying pan into the fire in some ways, because we are way more educated on the shady practices. You know, industry rule number four thousand and eight. <laughs> record company people are shady. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's tribe called Quest, and they were saying that all the way back then in the nineties. Yeah. But it's still, you know, we learned that. But now it's a new game. They they's like, oh shit, <laughs> they're they're on to us, guys. Yeah. We gotta we gotta find something new to keep. You know, we gotta find the new carrot on the stick. Tupac. We pulled, we we pulled the curtain down. We've seen everything behind the scenes. We know how corrupt and evil it is and how broken it is, but still, we not many people are getting together to do much about it. Period. I mean, I, I mentioned Tupac because it's like, when you think about the impact of Tupac as an artist, I, I don't think a lot of people in our generation fully understand what he represented as an artist. Like, the government was coming after him mm-hmm. to censor his music. He was preaching about independence, you know, self-love, entrepreneurship. You don't, don't, don't rely and be stuck in the struggle. And he was also rapping about smoking weed and killing people and selling drugs because that was the realities that people mm-hmm. was living. So it's like, and, and these are words from Pac, so I don't want to act like I'm the first one that said this, but basically, white America was so upset about Pac and others like him speaking on the reality that they lived through. Mm -hmm. And just like that Cat Williams interview where he said, look, if you don't want me to talk bad about you, then don't do me bad because Mm -hmm. it's my right to speak on my experiences. That's exactly what Tupac was saying. It's my right because you made this life for me. Y'all created the ghettos and I'm just speaking about it. And now you're going to villainize me and go on on a witch hunt. You know, and and Again, that was reincarnated in Eminem. I have mixed feelings on Eminem as an artist overall, counting the new stuff that he's done in the past five years. But old Eminem and Slim Shady, he rep- he carried on that torch of anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. And it was the same way. White America was up in arms about this man. And they were like, he is he is going to corrupt our youth. And, and, and Eminem rapped about it. He's like... Little Erica. <laughs> yeah, y- y'all are mad at me, but guess what? Your kids are listening to me tonight. So who's really reaching them? Because you guys aren't in the way that I am. Because mm-hmm. I'm speaking a relatable truth while y'all are still playing into an old paradigm mm-hmm. of authority and dominance. Where it's like, it could really be collaboration and community and connection. Um, so, you know, 
they want to I say they and I know they is very shadowy like I'm not trying to be on no conspiracy shit but the global elitists I don't even know the one percenter the skinwalkers the the reptilians I don't want to talk about the skinwalkers the skinwalkers haunt my fucking nightmares oh man yeah that's the spooky shit I'm not gonna lie to you yeah but but I say the people who have a vested interest in keeping people divided so people that own like BlackRock all the Rothenbergs the people that own the central banking system the federal reserve and part of me wonders if it goes that high or if it's like a different division of evil motherfuckers you know what I'm saying but like ultimately do we want to get into that (laughs) like like ultimately this hip-hop when it's done right is a method for empowerment it's a method for education it's Mm -hmm. a method for making us feel like we belong Mm -hmm. they don't want us to feel like that because we're way easier to manipulate and control when we don't feel that way absolutely so i i do think there's a vested interest to to delegitimize hip-hop and i do think that in Oh shit! <laughs> All right, let me not say that. But I do think that there's a vested interest to delegitimize it, and that's why I say we're fighting the good fight by just doing what we're doing now, continuing to create organically and out of the goodness of it. You feel me? That's well, right. What's that thing you always say, Jose? Say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, say whatever the fuck you want, <laughs> this bro. This is free space. This is open space. We are raw, unfiltered, and authentic here. Yeah, there's definitely powers that be though that are looking to keep us divided so that we can continue to be easier, you know, fucking told what to do. I'm like preaching to the choir here. Everybody gets it. Yo. I don't it know starts, why we're trying to hide it, it anymore. It starts in the school system. That's Very. where it starts. It starts in the school system where everyone needs to act a certain way and fit the mold. And if you don't fit the mold, you're punished. You're sent home. You're put in the corner. Your parents are called. They make you feel shame. I, I think proper education is important. But I, I think that we could do with a lot. The curriculum isn't geared to create free thinkers and no, amazing, it's, outstanding, it's meant full to of potential people. Yeah, it's meant, it's meant to, make to shut you, it down entirely. It's meant to break your will, your spirit, and get you like ordained to getting up in the morning, going through your day, having a lunch break, and then going home. Mm-hmm. You know, and feeling fulfilled work. by Ooh. by that because at the end of the day when the whistle blows and it's like all right everyone great job today you get that validation that you want we'll see you tomorrow mm-hmm. that was wonderful but you're not a superstar don't dream too big no never don't create nothing too crazy everything's already been invented don't try to reinvent the wheel and when when you do think outside the box and you are a free thinker they want to label you with shit like an outcast, a weirdo. They want to label you with shit like ADHD, ADD. Mm-hmm. They want to label yep. you with Put stuff. Put him on some pills to calm yeah, him down. Yeah. And then some Adderall for that. Mm-hmm. Is he thinking freely? He's, how, he's how critically dare thinking. He? Yeah, how dare he? That well, freaking silent alarm underneath the teacher's desk that goes free thinker, free thinker, free yeah, thinker. Type shit. And, that, and that's the thing though. It's like as much as the system is fucked, like it's up to the individuals within the system to define the experience for individuals. Because for me, like... I had a lot of teachers who actually encouraged me to think f- freely and think deeper. And Good job, we love it. And, and that's what I mean. Like within, I, although the overall system was, I would say, like mentally oppressive. It's like these kind of shining beacons within the system that said we understand how the system is wrong mm-hmm. and we're still going to do the good work. The light and the dark. Those are heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, my home life was not very structured. It was it was very chaotic. So me going to school when I was younger was very much like. I almost welcomed that robotic shit because it's like it's something that's actually structured. It's organized. It's actually a foundation to build a life off of versus, you know, just craziness every time I come home. Um, 
So for me, I did have a very positive experience with education, but that's also because I'm not going to lie. Like my brain was built for it. Like I don't, I don't like to talk about being smart or this or that, but like I was reading at a 12th grade level when I was in second grade. You know what I'm saying? I got straight A's everything through high school without ever having to study. The only time I didn't is when I was like, fuck this, I'm not doing this. That was your choice. My algebra too, I got like a 62 in that class because after the first quarter, I told the teacher, I said, I'm not doing no more of this homework because it's bullshit. You're not teaching us nothing. You would just expect us to do these math problems every night, like a hundred of them. I said, I'm not doing it. Mm. She's like, all right, fine. You know, I'll see you next year. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to pass these tests, though, so that I don't fail. And that's why I I passed with a 62. So there were certain classes that, like, my rebellious side, I was like, fuck this. But mostly, I was very, 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 very blessed with natural gifts and also with the right circumstances to grow. And, And as much of the shit that I've been through, I've also had a lot of blessings that enabled me to keep moving forward. Because I could have been in a lot of other places. I could have ended up a drug addict or alcoholic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I could have still been selling weed and pills like I used to when I was a teenager. You know what I'm saying? And if I didn't have the right people in my corner to say, Mike, you're better than that. And you can go so much farther than that. If I didn't have those people telling me that shit, then I would have never done it. Even in college, my professor was like, yo, bro, why are you still selling weed, man? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm like... Psh. But let me get an eighth though real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, everybody wanted. But I'll tell you, once some dispensaries came, I ain't, mm. I ain't hit up a plug in years. Yeah. I had my med card for the past three years. That shit is a dream. I'm not going to lie to you. Plus, you know what you're getting, where it's from, exactly what it is. The shit on the streets be spooky nowadays. That it's clean. There's yeah. no mold on it. It goes through rigorous process. No fat and, and that's what I mean. Oh, like, br- bringing up the mold. Like, people want to talk about fat and all this other shit that could get laced in the bud. Nine out of 99 out of 100 dealers are not lacing your bud with shit. But you said it. They might not be storing it properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you might have that mold on it. Or you they might store that shit in a fucking container with Lysol wipes. Mm. And now you got this fucking chemicals that's absorbing yeah. into the bud. And I that's that's something I've seen before. You know, it's it's so many things that people who just don't understand like science. They also don't care. They don't give know. a like, fuck. They don't give it's a like fuck. the drug dealers lacing the coke with soap. Like, they know they're selling soap or even just straight up cutting up soap, money. Period, period, yeah. You heard stories of people cutting soap up and selling it and then you never see that fiend again because they just, you know, overdosed on soap. On fucking and they soap. And they don't care. Soap. They don't care because they got their they got their $20 for me for their whatever they need to do it with. Period. And, and then let's, let's bring that to the music. When you got these, quote unquote, drug dealers like that's selling this music that ultimately like encourages Kids, more than anything, to kids do drugs. To, to do drugs, to essentially more than the action, just the mentality that it instills. Mm-hmm. It's like not only are these things okay to do, but they're glorified. And if you do them, you will get clout. And what does this society run off besides money? It's like at this point in time, I feel like it runs off clout. Like everybody wants to get their mm-hmm. clout one way or another. Oh my gosh. I was I was talking with my dad earlier today. He sent me a picture about this, this TikTok slushy trend where people are literally filling up large containers of, fl- of slushies and they're not drinking it. What they're doing is they're throwing it on their car. On their I saw car. That. Yes, yeah. on their car. Like I their, saw that. Their they just throw it at the car. On, they throw the it at f- their car. <laughs> and it, and I was just like, why? Why? The ridiculous shit that people will do for attention now really shows like you had an absent parent. Like something happened to you. Like what are you, why, why are you doing this for attention? Now, the perfectly good, delicious slushie ruined, wasted. That's right. And, and absent parenthood. They might have been there. But uh, if they're distracted, 
on their phones all the fucking time, then they're absent. And mm-hmm. now when you create a society where everybody is that's what it addicted is addicted to the dopamine, then mm-hmm. yep. you're not gonna have presence from people. You mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. I was just I was doing the freaking dopamine hunt earlier <laughs> yeah. earlier this week and well no, it's Monday. Hold up. Last week. Or last <laughs> week. And it was saying about how the C the CEO of iPhone encourages people not to use the iPhone. And the way he put it is, if I'm looking at this this device in my hand more than the person in front of me, then I'm doing life wrong. Period. Uh, mm. But he, he has to say that to be politically correct, you know, because he knows what, they know exactly what they've created and the, the reason that they created it. They they know exactly what they're doing. It's like the that's cigarette a, companies. Yeah, that's a PR move to basically mm. not get canceled, to not be scrutinized you feel me to not have to apologize for that or come up with that later on instead he'll just go and put out a psa oh by the way if you're just paying too much attention to your phone try to moderate that use even though it's tech it's like scientifically proven to be clinically addictive to use especially with Mm. all the different apps oh shit the instant access that you can get to gratification when you post a selfie or girls on only i mean it goes so deep for me, like disgustingly deep. Oh my gosh! And the instant gratification goes right back to absent parenthood. Yeah. Like it, it feel. I feel like everything goes back to people having children when they're not ready. Mm. Well, we talked about that plenty mm. on other episodes where, if when you do have a kid, your entire like ninety eight percent of your being and your like who you are as a person has to change because you have you now have to raise an individual, a whole being. A whole mm. mind, a whole soul, you know? Shit. God, mind, and soul. God, right? mind, and soul. That's within and, every and, one of us. And that is excruciatingly, like, draining to do. You To teach them and and raise a effectively, you know, properly ed- educated child that can help then later on grow up to be a healthy functioning member of society that can also create... And turn around and actually support other people because they understand the importance of that love and support that you're supposed to be taught by your parents. But, of course, we, you know, that was all lost. Man, I'm getting chills, bro. That's if you so- guys want to know about that episode, that's episode three. It's called Resilient Souls Thriving Amongst Life's Crucibles. And we talk about how having an absent parent and how being a parent is one of the most important I'm going to call it a job because being a parent is full-time gig. It's the most important job you will ever have. That nine to five Mm. will never measure up to the time that you miss with your child. Mm -hmm. Period. And a lot of parents nowadays, oh, I'm a good parent. No, you, and you can't really tell a parent that they're a bad parent because nobody wants to hear that. And even if they are really a bad parent, it's not going to sit well with them. And you're just, you're going to sound like a hater, but... I do it anyway. (laughs) Hater be damned if I'm seeing something that ain't right, I'm going to say something about it. And and what's with this paradigm of like, I'm a good and bad parent. Like, that's the ego at that point. Honestly, (laughs) we are all good and bad parents because parenting doesn't come with a manual. Every child that is born is insanely different. I have two kids Mm -hmm, and they're mm -hmm. like night and day. Like my one child, she's calm she's sweet sometimes she has a mouth on her and then my other <laughs> child is a feral beast like you can't tell her what to do you can't tell her nothing that was me i'm the feral beast <laughs> archetype <laughs> we have to make that an archetype the feral beast yes and, and i can say like parenthood is the most sacred art mm-hmm. the most sacred act of creation that we humans can engage in is to create another human being because every artistic endeavor 
you create it, you labor over it, and you let it go into the world. And sometimes letting it go into the world is the hardest damn part. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because then you think to yourself, did I do it right? Are they going to know right from wrong? Like, are they are they fed? Are they wiping their asses right? Like, what's going on out there? That sounds nerve-wracking. Down to the nitty-gritty, yeah. It is. I know some parents, though, they're like, man, I can't believe that my, I can't believe that I had kids. I fucking hated my kids. I'm happy. <laughs> Shit. I'm happy they're out the house. That's so fucked you up, You know what, man. bro? They'd be like, yo, don't ever have no kids. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you right now, they ruin your fucking life. I know people that are like that. Yeah. And no, there's I, other I've people are like, before. oh, my child saved my life. Children are the best blessing of the universe. You should have as many as you can. God willing. Oh, no, no, no. So it's no, a, no, it's no, a, no, a let's not do support that. that. No, I'm playing, yeah, I'm playing. Let's not do that. If I had it my way, I'd have 196 children. Because I, I believe there's 196 countries. And I want to spread my seed as far and wide as I can. Culturally. Sound like Elon Musk. <laughs> this man's Nick Cannon 2.0. <laughs> just imagine that though. Eventually, like maybe like 200 years down the line, there's just all my blood throughout the whole entire race, the human race. There's, so, there's some Jose Garcia and everybody. Honestly, <laughs> as a man, you could do that because men never stop producing. I can get like a hundred women pregnant, a, not a hundred a day. Well, if we extract the semen and then in, you know insert this, inseminize women. We could, IVF. We could get it done a lot quicker. But if I'm going old fashioned way, which I prefer probably. <laughs> <laughs> more fun. <laughs> way more fun. Which was the womp womp button? We need one of those right now. <laughs> it's the green one, right? Oh my yep. God. All right, everyone, just for Jose. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Fuck that. Nah, but I feel like the more I, like, travel this earth and the more I look and meet new people, it's like everybody's related, y'all. It's true. Yeah. Every, that is true. We everybody all has derived from the same individuals. We all came same from organism. the same tribe, technically. I mean, it goes further than tribe. You talk about single-celled organisms. Type shit. The molecular, molecular's and yes. mo- molecular's. Mo- is that the word? Mo- no, Molecules. No, 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 no. Amoebas. I know what you're thinking of. What the hell is that? Word? You know the atoms that make yes. us up. The mole- the molecules. molecules. Yes. Yeah, the molecular Electrons. molecular structures. Mm. Mm-hmm. Getting into the science now. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, we are. We're not all related. We all are the exact same thing you know we all are the universe experiencing itself through different mm-hmm. perspectives and and i get this phenomenon where i meet new people and it's like it just feels like i already know them that's soul time i'm like mm-hmm. yo you're familiar like why is you feel so familiar that's and i'm that. like i know i haven't met this person before you haven't met that physical form of that person but you have had contact with that energy and and their aura as a person mm-hmm. you know their soul and spirit a real talk. i get that all the time people that go you look so familiar. Have we met? And I'm like, nope, I've never seen you a day in my life, but you've probably seen me in the astral realm. I travel. Mm. Mm, the astros, yo. Dream space. So as uh, with GMS, is are you religious? Like Christian-based? or? So I do not keep myself to one religion. I think every single one, I don't want to say every single one. I don't know every single one, but I like to study different religions and kind of find the common grounds and... Take what I find useful and leave what I don't find useful. So when it comes to Christianity, I do believe in the ideals of being a Christian. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that like Jesus Christ, like Christ was a title of like, you know, the enlightened one, the anointed Mm -hmm. one. Um, Jesus was the name, but Christ is a title. So to be a Christian means you're like living up to these 
these embodiments. And when they talk about the second coming, like it's my belief that every single one of us can be that second coming. Because mm. if we if we idealize those those truths within ourselves of love and compassion and standing up for the people in society who don't have anyone to stand up for them. And going to the temple and kicking out the money lenders. Like that's some G shit. That's doing God's work right there, ain't it? Yes. So <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie, like Jesus as a figure in history, and people could debate this, that, or the third about his life or whatever. But to me, Jesus is a very inspiring, like low-key historical figure. Before we even cause we're all, in my opinion, the sons and daughters of the divine. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe that there's just one special chosen person and then they're not going to come back for thousands of years. Like, nah, bro, we're all here and it's up to us to realize those ideals within ourselves. You know, I also really learned a lot from like Taoism, like reading the Tao Te Ching mm-hmm. um, and, and Chuang Tzu and whatnot, like just to open my mind in that realm as well. And to understand that like life is a process of flow and that Everything that we do exists within a collective, what do I want to say? I, collective is kind of a buzzword because a friend's collective, so <laughs> I don't want to use that word. Like, we exist all part of one. And the best way to access that is to enter the flow state. It's um, a synergy. And, and my flow state is rapping. My flow state is these kind of conversations. My flow state is when I can let everything go and just be at one with the moment, with the world, with the universe, with myself. Um, so that's really what studying like Eastern philosophies helped me like pin down. And, and also just the fact that the mind is fallible. Because, you know, this thing like the Zen koans where they're like these riddles that are written that on the surface don't make any sense at all. And they're literally like almost a form of trolling. Because it's like you have people who will sit there just trying to find the meaning in it. And it's like, that's the whole point. Like, they're almost designed to break your rational mind. And to be like, sometimes our drive to seek meaning in things is actually a fallacy. Mm. Can you give us an example? Mm, I can definitely pull one up. I am not that good at memorizing certain good, things. Bro. But I will definitely pull up a Zen koan. Have you ever heard of Sikhism while yes, you pull that up? Yes, and, and I'll tell you what. I was very blessed to see a presentation on Sikhism from from a practicing Sikh and, oh, wow. and just to hear about the principles of their beliefs and what they think about helping people and that their temple is open to anybody, anybody. who would come, no matter what color, what religion, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very beautiful thing. I yeah. definitely am a fan of Sikhism. So this is my first time actually hearing about Sikhism. It, that resonated with me when you mentioned that, you feel me, you have those Christian-based reli- uh, beliefs but you don't necessarily tie yourself down to one of those religions, but you're more accepting of and understanding. And you find the, the intricacies of all these various religions that do resonate with you. And then the stuff that doesn't resonate with you, you just respectfully kind of just, you know, let it go with the wind. And the Sikhism uh, in, an, in like a nutshell is, I believe it's Hindu, Hindi. Yes, it's, it's, from, it's from a Hindi descent. Branch off, and yeah. essentially it's the, it's the belief that everybody's beliefs no matter what they are are it's their truth and that's their right and and we are accepting of that and loving of that as long as you're a good person and supporting of other people's ideas beliefs and not trying to tear anybody down or be malicious and basically that's like what the what sikhism is if i'm not butchering Mm. it i love that 
Yeah, that's fire. I feel like that should just be the principle of life. It, they got mm. it pretty spot on. I was like, yo. Uh, and so when I learned about Sikhism, I was like, you know what? I, I fuck with that. Yeah. Just don't be a dick. Plain and simple. Just <laughs> don't be a dick. Words that could change the world. If everyone <laughs> Don't be a by dick. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dick. So tell us, uh, what'd you find? So I found two. The, the first one, it feels a bit more profound. So it's when both hands are clapped, a sound is produced. Listen to the sound of one hand clapping. Sounds like me fapping. Oh, damn. Mine doesn't, mine you don't doesn't have a, do that. I guess I got a strong hand. I'm trying to clap hard, though. So another one in question and answer form is, what is Buddha? And the answer is three pounds of flax. Flax? Yeah, flax is like a grain. Like flax seeds? Yes. So as you can see, the meaning is not very apparent in these things, you know? And I can kind of find meaning in that. Flax seeds are actually a really great source of energy. Like and that's natural what they're energy. To, they want you to find the meaning in that. <laughs> Shut up, stupid. It's kind of like Shut up. it's not that deep. And, and perhaps it's I not, misrepresented. That's surface, that's surface level. <laughs> and and perhaps I misrepresented in my original description is that it's not that there isn't any meaning at all, but it does highlight our intrinsic like drive to create meaning when we feel like we can't find any. Interesting. Hey, man, as much meaning as there is and depth to everything that, that we're experiencing in this reality and this existence, it really is not that deep. Like, don't take it too personal because at the end of the day, it, when we return back to source, it's all going to be all right. Mm. And here's the secret. It already is. Exactly. It already is. It already all right. is all right. We, as long as you believe it's all right, it's good. It's hard. It's really hard for me to like sit with that though because so many things are not all right. You feel That's me? right. Like, mm-hmm. We all are experiencing our own traumas that we're going through. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And the stuff that we're experiencing, of course, could be worse, right? But it could be better. Um, yeah. But then I think about people that are stuck in like torture caves and stuck in a box buried alive and all these innocent children being sex trafficked and, you know, molested till their bones break. You know, that type of stuff right there really makes me question everything. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like through all of this amazing, supportive belief of prosperity and love and peace, through all that, all of this heinous, disgusting, evil shit is really going on. And this, <clears throat> to me, it's like a severe imbalance of negativity versus positivity. Mm. As we know, the negativity will circulate through the news a million times faster than anything positive. Of course, that's what they're paid and, for. And that's what they push. And that's, again, going to the them, the, the powers that be, whoever they may be. I call it the shadow league. That's what, the, that's what they want <laughs> to the push. The puppet masters. Yeah, the puppet masters, man. Yeah. So I find myself struggling with happiness. Mm. And accepting having such a fruitful life for what it is that even though I'm not on a yacht, I don't have a billion dollars. But I'm also not getting my fingernails ripped off uh, for information. I'm not being, I'm not have to worry about the Taliban running into my crib and shooting mm-hmm. my dad in the face and killing me and then taking my mom and sister. Because, you know, these things are, this is the reality of a lot of That's things. That's truth. Mm. That's truth in the world. So, mm. so back to everything being all right, I get it. Like Bob Marley, every little thing is going to be all right. I, I really do, man. But fuck all this shit that is that a lot of people have knowledge of. They choose to turn their cheek. I just can't. That's mm. because we don't want to look at truth. 
because the truth, like the true truth of the world right now is ugly. It's horrifying. We don't want to look at it. We want to look at, oh my God, look at these adorable dogs chasing these ducks on Instagram and on YouTube. And look at these cute babies falling asleep in oatmeal. Mm. <laughs> in, in a way, it's like we're evolving and we don't even realize it. We're evolving as a species to become more mentally focused. Y'all know like the gray aliens? Y'all know like the... They're like smaller, skinnier bodies with a big head. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's what we're becoming. Give us 10,000, 10 million years of this, which by the way is impossible because of exponential growth. But give us 10, year, 10 million years of doing what we're doing, we would look like the gray aliens because, oh, we don't need to use these beautiful gifts that we have in mm-hmm. our hands and our feet and our legs and our bodies that are so beautiful and unique and useful to us. Um... They're even trying to get us to stop reproducing with what, I mean, I'm, I might make some people mad, but with all the transgenderism being pushed, you know, they're tr- they literally are trying to demasculize our society. They're trying to get people to stop having babies. All these vaccines and pills are making women and men infertile. Mm. Not to mention the microplastics. The microplastics that are fucking up our, our little biomes and DNA. And and I think of a ransom line, which you said brought to my mind a ransom line. Um, ransom is one of my favorite rappers. And he says, you know, a man without woman, is that sanity? Oh, shit, shit, shit. I need, to, I need to bring it up. But basically he says, you know, a man without woman, is that sanity? Can it be a blatant attack on a black family? Mm-hmm. And and that line in itself just really made me think. It's like these cultural norms are very much like diminishing the idea of a family unit and the, the idea of like independence for men and women. It's almost like we're in this era of like men versus women. Yeah, it's and a lot we, of... We need each other, man. We need each other. Mm-hmm. Men need other men and women. Women need other women and men. We all need each other. We're all on this earth together. And it's, as long as we're like... Basically, shitting on the foundations that allowed us to get here as a people and as a society, then we don't even realize we're like essentially chopping down the tree that we built our treehouse in. Well, Facts. Facts. But it starts here. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really abide by the numbers or the philosophy, but this, this is off the Comet album, Rest in Peace to Pops. He said only 144,000 going to make it home. And it, the way I see it, maybe we are living in the times of the rapture and maybe we aren't going to disappear with our clothes falling to the ground. But maybe a certain group of people who are anointed will ascend in consciousness while the rest stay down here Repeating in the, the petty fucking cycle loop. Doesn't mean that we're going to leave earth, but we're going to enter a new earth and a new consciousness that we created with our communities and our families. Like the Egyptians. Exactly, y'all. And the Atlanteans, the Mayans. The Atlanteans, y'all. I forget who said it, uh, but there's like this thing where when you die, you see the light, right? Mm -hmm. Now, people are saying don't go towards the light because that's going to send you right back into this vicious loop of, Mm. of, you know, mindlessness, suffering, and working your whole existence and spending your soul energy on fulfilling these duties and tasks to make their lives and existences and this reality that they're controlling way more better for them. Mm. But I read instead, it today. I read it today. Instead, just Your turn nine to five is somebody else's passive income. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. find your own. 
So Damn, when, you, when you die and you, <laughs> and you find yourself looking at that light and you're just in awe and, and amazed, just take a second and breathe and turn around. See what's behind you. You'll notice the opposite way of the light is going to be the entire universe. And, mm. and if you step towards that way, bro, that's when you transcend into that next level, that next reality, the next dimension of your earth that is actually filled with the love, the, con the everything that you compounded throughout your existence and your consciousness will carry over and resonate. But you have to make that choice at the end to actually turn around and not blindly walk towards that light that we've all been taught and told forever. Because, you know, if I had control of this existence myself and was able to twist narratives to in whichever direction I wanted to and lied about history for as long as I can, and which is true, they have done this, the history books are filled with lies. Of course. I'd want to keep everybody's trapped here so I can continue to flourish and exist wonderfully. Fuck everybody. And, and it's, uh, you know, fundamental attribution theory. Um, you know, is you have dispositional and situational attribution, and you also have the idea that with cognitive dissonance, um, people are way more likely to change their beliefs than they are to change their actions. So, you know, cognitive dissonance is like when, you're, when your thoughts and your beliefs and your actions don't line up, it creates like a feeling within you that's like not good. Because mm -hmm. you're like lying to yourself. You're not living your truth. You're not living authentically. People live with a lot of cognitive dissonance nowadays because they know what we're doing is wrong. And, they, and we still do it. But, that shit pisses me off. But, you know, coping with cognitive dissonance is a real part of being a human. And, and I think, you know, those people on top, I think if they really gave themselves, if they really somehow stripped it all away, they would realize that their entire life, their entire way of generating income and everything is totally wrong. But humans will, as in, a, in an attempt to soothe that cognitive dissonance they will change their beliefs and their attitudes before they will change their actions so eventually they convince themselves like no i'm meant to be here and those mm -hmm. those poor motherfuckers are meant to be down there mm -hmm. and they could come up with any belief system to justify that but that's ultimately the natural trend and that's why i have respect for anybody who's in a position of privilege and power and wealth who steps back from that and actually realizes their responsibility to the world Mm -hmm. Big facts, bro. Big we facts. Love it. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's you said it really well, man. Thank For you. real, couldn't have said it any better. The way you put that. That's a, that's Thank fucking you. great. All right, Jose. Give us some. Give us some closing remarks. Closing remarks. I don't yes. have any. You don't uh, have any. No, I wanted to. I, I wanted to talk to GMS about his uh, ideologies and uh, experiences throughout life with death. Mm. Um, mm. I, me personally and. Unfortunately, I've had experienced a lot of loss in my life as a young, as a young kid growing up. Uh, specifically, like family members, I was. My parents are pretty old compared to a lot of my peers' parents. Right. So uh, a lot of my family was was passing away at, at a young age for me. But not only that, going through school here in Reading, I lost a lot of friends to yeah. unnecessary violence, and it's tragic. Shit. So I just want to hear a little bit about, you know, your experience with that type of loss through life. Mm. And so when I was in my earlier life, I didn't really experience death that much. Um, but I did experience loss in forms of like abandonment. And, you know, you realize just because someone is still alive, you still grieve for their loss. Mm. Um, so that was like my early experience with loss. But as I got older, you know, I had a few experiences 
I had this uh like like a girlfriend, you know, we met um at this like festival gathering and, and she she came back to the crib and stayed with me for about a week. This was when I was about sixteen. We had we were having a great time, right? And and she was a, a single mother. She had one one child, um, who was a baby. But she lived in New Jersey. So after she left my crib, I got the news like two, three weeks later that she had actually like overdosed on some shit. I think it was it was like something that was cut with the coke or whatever mm. it was, where she OD'd and passed away. And I remember that was that was like one of my first like closest experiences with death. And like the way that that kind of loss can kind of rob you of things that you look forward to in the future. And just like, I just remember like just leaving, just leaving my crib and just walking, bro. Cause I didn't even know how to cope with it. Like I was just walking, walking for hours. Cause like, I didn't, I didn't know what to, I couldn't sit still, but I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, like, that's a different kind of loss because ultimately, as, as close as we were in that short time, we knew each other, like, for, I'll say, like, two weeks of spending just about a day together and then talking for a couple weeks. Like, you know, that wasn't the same as, like, losing someone you knew your whole life. But that shit cut deep, man. And uh, I'll say another experience that comes to mind I feel like is very relevant to my artistry is a very, very close friend of mine. Uh, Jared, rest in peace. Um, I grew up with him. He was like eight or nine years older than me, but I grew up with him. He was my neighbor and shit. And he was really into like film. And you know what I'm saying? Like he submitted his shit to like film festivals in Hollywood. And he was like, always took it so seriously. Like even when it was on an amateur level of production, his devotion to the craft and his ability to have a vision for himself of being a director being a cinematographer and believing in himself. Like he believed in himself more than anyone I know while also not coming across as cocky. Mm -hmm. And I always admired that and respected that about him. But uh, last year, in fact, about a mile from our crib, because he lives two houses down, two trailers down, uh, about a mile from my crib, he like had a seizure and went off the road and, and passed away from that. And I was actually working with him on a film literally the week prior. And and we had a whole, like, it was about to be months of production and filming and his idea. He was so excited about it. It was going to be the first feature-length film that he produced. He was so excited about it. And, like, just like that, that shit's gone. Mm -hmm. And, like, that that hurt. That hurt a lot for me. And, and there was a lot of projects that he wanted me to be a part of in the past that I chose not to because I didn't feel like it filled my aesthetic vibe. Like he was, he liked some of the like the gory horror movies and that kind of shit. And that was never really my vibe. So I had told him no on a couple of times or like dragged my feet and shit in the past. And I kind of felt guilt for doing that. But another thing is that in the months before he passed, he took down all his social medias because he wanted to like, I guess, rebrand or something. And he never mm. got anything back up. Wow. So like he was gone and there was no way for the world to like remember him through his art. And that shit fucked me up so bad. And it put almost like this fear in me of like, I gotta get this fucking music out. Cause that could be me tomorrow. And I got I got things I gotta say. Mm -hmm. And I can't leave this earth without doing that. But if I do leave this earth tomorrow, then I wanna make sure today. That I got that out there. And that that happened about a year and some change ago. And since then, that's that's been on my mind heavy. And I'm very grateful for Jared 
for his presence in my life. You know, he was one of the first ones that I shot a music video with. And, you know, it was just some cheap little shit. But, like, ultimately, like, he was one of the few that consistently engaged with my craft and gave me positive support at that time. Like I said, I didn't really have a community at that time. But he was always there. So it's recipes to Jared. It's recipes to Stephanie. Like, those are two people who have very big impact on my life. And, you know, I think of them... I wouldn't say every day, but every now and then I think of them and maybe a little tear come to the eye. But yeah. I'm just very grateful to, you know, have been able to know them. Yeah, bro. That's, there's that's nothing wrong with that. Honestly. Emotional pillars. Yes. And, yeah, they actually made impacts in your life. So yeah, man. I love I love what you said about Jared, how he believed in himself during, you know, the startups, during all the amateur stuff. The, and honestly, that's manifestation right there in, mm-hmm. in, in his prime alchemy. Yes, yo. Uh, he He's, believed it was his and so it was it sounds like he was on his way to really make it happen oh. and unfortunately you know the good die young right that's what they say we're talk. so here we all are alive we must be pieces of shit <laughs> 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 no i'm kidding i'm kidding i mean just a little bit <laughs> yeah dude but hey i got I, my bad days i think we believe right. in ourselves like that too it reflects in in all of the successes that we've been able to share with each other through the collaboration um on all, in all of our respectives, you know how Lola comes from from her her neck of the woods, and you oh know, my neck G- of the woods, GMS the crazy one with the inbreds. <laughs> yeah, how how you and everybody, all the artists, come from their you know their their side of things, and you know me, Louis, Nandi at the studio, we all come together in our own respectives, and we all wouldn't be here if we all didn't believe in ourselves the same way that Jared did. And more yeah. than that, the way that we believe in each other. The, exactly. The, the support and encouragement that we give each other is, mm-hmm. is it's weightless, you know? Like, it's so powerful. Mm. And, and it can happen to either of us, you know? Lola might not be here for the next episode. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> Why does it have I'm, to be I'm me? just saying. <laughs> I may not. But it could uh, it could happen at any of at any time, and that's why it's no time to wait, man. It's no time to wait to get right. And if you can't get your life right around you, get your mind right. And that's something that is within your control. You know what I mean? And we still struggle with depression and anxiety, and we still fuck up, and we still make mistakes, and we still treat people like shit sometimes, even when we don't mean to. But it's the fact that we're trying, and, and we understand that this is something that we have control and accountability over is our minds and the way that we choose to move through this world because it could be tomorrow that we go but if we know that we're solid today then shit i'm glad to go you know to quote Pac, and i'm sure he's probably quoting someone else but a coward dies a thousand deaths a soldier dies but once Mm -hmm. you know i mean if you're firm and rooted on how you stand then even if you go tomorrow you know that you lived your life to the fullest like a g Yep, I'll no. stand on that. I'm going to stand on righteousness. I'll stand up. I'm never going to conform. You know, I won't switch up my narrative to fit to their agenda. They're going to try. They'll cancel me. Oh, you can't talk about that. You can't. Tupac was getting contacted by the government because he was spreading that type of social awareness. That self, right. that, that critical thinking encouragement. And I, f- I feel the same way. I want to stand up and revolu- revol- revol- revolt. Yes. Is the word revolt uh, against the corruption and against all, all the negativity. And I'll die standing on that hill. I'll, mm, I'll die for that shit. Mm, and that's what we're doing right now, baby. So We living shit. and dying. That's it. Yeah, boy. Right here on Live and Die Revive. You already know. Yes, you do. Give me a 
Uh, y'all can see how I did it. It's got mine and soul. Yo, you know how I spit it. It's wild. I'm like, damn, how I kicked the freestyle. I popped at the show. They said he wild. I said, nah, I was in denial for too long. Now I float on denial and make a new song. I'm just thinking how I go back and forth. I'm like, man, on the porch trying to pass the torch. It's what I passed the L. You know I did it right. Rock the classics well. I'm like, damn, I ain't give a fuck. My record classic. Will it sell? That's a question you got to answer. I've been in this. <laughs> 